It's Friday, May 8th, 2020, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. In 2020, Pennsylvania stands at a crossroads with two paths before us. One leads to a near future where coal has all but disappeared from the state's power generation portfolio, leading to a modest but significant reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Well, that's the path we're currently on, as market forces more or less alone conspire to make other energy sources, mainly natural gas, more cost-effective than coal. The other path currently before us leads similarly to a near future where coal has all but disappeared from the power generation portfolio, but this time leading to a dramatic reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Well, in this alternative future, Pennsylvania is a region-leading producer of low-cost, low-carbon electricity, thanks in part to new funding being reinvested in the clean energy economy and putting Pennsylvanians back to work. But those investments don't just create jobs. They also insulate utility customers from fluctuating wholesale prices by lowering overall energy consumption through efficiency upgrades and other consumer-focused programs. Well, the difference between these two alternative futures comes down to four words. Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. By creating a cap-and-invest statewide program linked with the 10-state regional carbon market known colloquially as REGI, Pennsylvania has a chance to realize major emission reductions almost immediately, while at the same time generating hundreds of millions of dollars a year in new state revenues. And that can all be done without any direct impact on Pennsylvania taxpayers. That's the conclusion of a brand new power sector modeling study from the Department of Environmental Protection. Haley Book is DEP's senior advisor on energy and climate. She worked with the energy markets consulting firm ICF to produce the report published last month. She joins us now with more details and insights on that modeling and some context as well. Haley, thanks for being on Pennsylvania Legacies. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I'm such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Bring us up to speed quickly on Reggie itself and the and the rulemaking pursuant to it. Uh, how did this process kind of kick off? Well, it officially kicked off last year, but kind of Pennsylvania's um, interest in and conversations about Reggie preceded even that. So back to 2008, the Pennsylvania Climate Change Act was passed. So since then, we've been looking at climate impacts and economic opportunities in the Commonwealth. So fast forward from 2008, you know, we've published several iterations of the Pennsylvania Climate Change Action Plan, a reoccurring theme of which was participating in a regional carbon market. So that's when really rubber hit the road, so to speak, last year, when Governor Wolf not only established the first greenhouse gas emission reduction goals for Pennsylvania, but then he also initiated an executive order to address climate change through electric sector emissions reduction. So that, though, all of those things together really set the stage for DEP beginning to draft a regulation for participation in Reggie, the process which has been a whirlwind but just started last fall officially. So for those that don't know the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, can you kind of explain what it is, how it works, and then how this rulemaking connects with that? Sure, absolutely. The Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, commonly referred to as REGI, is a market-based kind of effort, nonpartisan, of a coalition of states in the, the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast United States 
specifically to reduce CO2 emissions from the power sector. So it's not an economy-wide cap-and-trade program. It's a, it's a power sector cap-and-invest program. So power plants have to buy allowances equal to the amount of CO2 pollution they emit. And then these power plants factor those costs of the, those allowances into their prices for electricity. So essentially, the less CO2 a plant emits, the cheaper they can sell their electricity, the more likely that electricity is to be purchased. So there are about 10 states that participate now. Virginia is looking at entry in 2021. Pennsylvania is moving towards entry in 2022. So that would take the 10 state initiative up to 12 states. And New Jersey was out for a while, back in now, is that right? Back in, back in and out. So it's not a, uh, yeah, it's not a binding agreement. These programs function independently, but also, you know, converge together in a few key things, specifically the sale and trade of allowances on the market. So New Jersey decided that Reggie was no longer for them at some point, took a break, and as of the beginning of this year, is, is back at it. So, I mean, really important that the states have autonomy and flexibility to develop a program that works best for them under this model. When you look at the broader context of the other states that have been some of them working on this for years, where does Pennsylvania fit in that picture? Are we doing anything notably different or unique with our program? Sure. Everything Pennsylvania does is unique. (laughs) Well, there are a variety of things. Pennsylvania is unique in that we are a major energy producer and we are a major energy exporter. So um, we're not quite doubling, but almost doubling the size of uh, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative in terms of emissions. Certainly, we're one out of 12 states, but our emissions profile really increases the size and the opportunity really for emissions reductions in the Northeast, which is exciting. It's very exciting for us. One unique thing about Pennsylvania is that, you know, the authority for us pursuing this regulation and Reggie participation comes from Pennsylvania's Air Pollution Control Act. And I mentioned that because the Air Pollution Control Act requires that all of the proceeds from the sale of the Pennsylvania allowances need to go to programs that reduce air pollution. So that's unique for Pennsylvania. A lot of Reggie programs historically have, the investments have been primarily in the energy sector, but there have been some other programs as well. And Pennsylvania, you know, Pennsylvania's program with our authority will have a strict focus on projects and programs and and funding, et cetera, to really get at those air pollution reductions. Well, let's focus on the emission reductions then. Plenty to talk about with revenues and how those get applied later, but uh, starting with the primary purpose of this initiative, what are we talking about in terms of emission reductions? I mean, really, the reason you're here today is to shed some light on the modeling that DEP has recently done to kind of fill in that gap and answer the question. So let's talk about the, the models that you've been working on. How did these come about? How did you put them together? What did you factor into the equation? So DEP is partnering with ICF on modeling of the power sector. We're using a proprietary model that ICF has that's called IPM. So that model was specifically created to evaluate the impact of environmental policies on the energy sector. So perfect for what we're trying to explore, you know, the impact of Pennsylvania's participation in REGI on future energy markets, like Pennsylvania's demand for energy, our electricity production, our electricity exports, the flow of electricity in and out of PA. It's just there's a lot of 
different parts and pieces uh, to this model. So the U.S. EPA has used this to study the impacts of environmental regulations, and we've been partnering with ICF for a number of years now in relation to the department's climate action plan. So ICF as a partner has been a very good fit. So all that said, in conjunction with ICF, we've been working on modeling kind of two different things, kind of what Pennsylvania looks like in the future without Reggie and what Pennsylvania looks like in the future with Reggie. And we found that in comparison of these two modeling cases, so to speak, Pennsylvania's participation in Reggie will lower emissions of carbon dioxide in Pennsylvania by about 180 million tons by 2030. So quite a significant reduction that begins immediately. I mean, we see those results almost immediately in 2022. So there are certainly CO2 emissions reductions, as those are the targets of the regulation and the Reggie program. But as a result of that, we're also seeing important reductions in SO2 and NOx emissions as well. So there are a whole host of environmental and health benefits as a result of this program. So that's exciting to see those environmental and health benefits come to fruition. Um, And then we're doing a little bit deeper work to see what impacts are on the energy sectors and what opportunities there are for Pennsylvania to use those proceeds and to further our goals and and re-stimulate Pennsylvania's economy. Let's break down those those scenarios a little bit more and just give me some detail on, you know, what goes into the policy scenario, how that differs from from the alternative. Is it just sort of business as usual? If nothing changes, here's what it looks like a few years down the road versus if we do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, we have all of our information posted online from the modeling, which is fun. So don't take our word for it. Speak for yourself. So we have a reference case, which is exactly that business as usual, often referred to as BAU. And that takes into account, you know, what are Pennsylvania's energy efficiency goals now? The alternative energy portfolio standards takes into account demand for energy forecasts by the regional transmission organizations, et cetera. I mean, there's a whole natural gas prices. I mean, there's a whole host of assumptions that go into the model, of course, which all impact the outcomes and and eventually the results that we see. So all of these assumptions, then plus more, are included in the in the policy case, which is Pennsylvania's participation in Reggie. So not only are we are we counting PAN, but we're also counting that additional allowance price for the CO2 emissions in electricity prices. The models making decisions on what happens in PA based on what's happening in surrounding states is a really cool. It's a really cool model that gives us outputs on price and energy movement and emissions. It's been really interesting to work with. It's really fun to see how different variations of natural gas prices, et cetera, can really impact the model outcomes. So we really enjoyed the process so far. So I guess it's good news that, you know, the baseline scenario is still moving in the right direction, but there is a pronounced difference between these two scenarios when you compare them. The drop in emissions happens much quicker and is more dramatic, it seems like, another policy scenario. Can you shed some light on that? Why is that and why does it matter? What kind of benefits does the Reggie program bring into this, you know, hypothetical? Yeah, absolutely. So each Reggie participating state has what's called an allowance budget. So that's the amount of allowances for CO2. One allowance equals one ton of CO2 that are offered into the market. So Pennsylvania has proposed a starting allowance budget of 78 million tons of CO2 starting in 2022. So what this means is 78 
<laughs> a million tons is what we will offer into the market for sale in 2022. So given the fact that Reggie is a regional program, Pennsylvania's allowances can be bought and sold by anyone who participates in the auction from any state. So Pennsylvania's emissions allowances aren't necessarily purchased by Pennsylvania facilities. They could be purchased by out-of-state facilities. And that's the neat thing. But because of Pennsylvania's generation portfolio, we end up in 2022 with emissions, as you indicated, well below our 78 million ton allowance budget. And that's really because we have a lot of facilities that are marginal, meaning that their prices really are just on the cusp of being economic in Pennsylvania. So with Pennsylvania joining the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, we really have the cheapest emissions reductions that can occur regionally, which is one of the reasons that um, our emissions drop so drastically in the first year, well below what we've established kind of as our emissions threshold. To walk back maybe just a little bit here, you're talking about the assumptions that are built into the model. Can we talk a bit about what what you see or what you assume the changes will be within Pennsylvania's generation portfolio within the next few years, uh, either with or without Reggie? What are the what are those assumptions right now? Mm-hmm. So ten years ago, in, in 2010, Pennsylvania's generation portfolio looked significantly different than it does now, and and then it will in the future. So back in 2010, coal production represented about 47% of Pennsylvania's generation. We have a heavy percentage, too, of nuclear generation. You know, nuclear generation remains pretty steady at about 30% of Pennsylvania's portfolio. But as we move to the future, low natural gas prices have allowed natural gas facilities to remain really competitive in the marketplace, pushing out some of that coal generation. So kind of in 10-year increments, we're seeing coal generation represent 47%, then 17%, and then by 2030, coal will only represent about 1% of Pennsylvania's generation portfolio. So there's a lot of change that's happened over the past 10 years. And we will continue to see those trends as we move forward to 2030. Interestingly enough, when we look at both Pennsylvania's business as usual and Pennsylvania's participation in Reggie, our generation portfolio looks very similar um, in both cases in the future. The difference is how we get there, the emissions reductions we see in the interim, the revenue reinvestments, and the health and environmental benefits you know, of participation. So while our generation portfolio looks very similar in either respect in 2030, you know, it doesn't necessarily tell the picture of everything that happens in between and the benefits that accrue to Pennsylvania as a result of Reggie. I'm curious about those benefits because I, I know the analysis does look at sort of uh, impacts on energy costs, et cetera, but doesn't really delve into trying to extrapolate what the benefits would look like uh, as we reinvest these revenues. That's going to generate, obviously, desirable outcomes for air quality and emission reductions and so on. But also, presumably, this would spur growth in other sectors of the economy, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there are two different sets of modeling that we're doing. One is the power sector modeling, which we've talked about. And the second is the economic modeling to really look at, you know, sector-specific economic impact. So we started out with the power sector modeling because there's information from that modeling that ties directly to our regulation. The regulation doesn't relate to or deal with revenue, 
only insofar as we say where that revenue is going to be deposited into the department's clean air fund. So our first focus was on the, the power sector results that we needed to inform the regulation. And now the output from that modeling then become inputs for our economic modeling, if that makes sense. So now we'll look at what are Pennsylvania's emissions, what are the revenues that we can expect, and depending on how we spend that money, has a really significant impact on on Pennsylvania's economy. Uh, Energy efficiency, renewable energy, vehicle electrification, fuel switching projects, there's a whole myriad of opportunities that we have for investment of this revenue, all which have direct impacts too on the power sector. So we are looking at that now. We've estimated Pennsylvania's revenue in the first year of Reggie participation to be at about $300 million. So that's a sizable amount of money, which can we can really, you know, we can make some good progress in terms of further emissions reductions and further environmental benefits, even beyond those that we'll see merely from the establishment of these allowance prices. So there's more to come on that. We'll be doing significant outreach on the regulation and also on any sort of draft spending plan that we look at. But energy efficiency is local, it's labor intensive, it's a great way to get Pennsylvania's economy back on its feet. There's just a, a, a myriad of opportunities for us, which is exciting to see what the best fit is for Pennsylvania for these funds. So some of those details we're still waiting on, but there's every reason to think it's going to be a kind of a cascading effect of, of economic benefits, seems to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So at this stage, then, taking all of that into account and looking down the road a few years, where would you say we're at in terms of having a clear sense of the costs and benefits here? Uh, how much closer does this get us to being able to make a really good informed decision about how to how to approach Reggie? So we have the regulatory piece. We have that moving forward, and we're switching our focus to the reinvestment side because how we reinvest these funds is extremely important. We could reinvest the funds in ways that aren't effective in Pennsylvania. And and certainly that's what we want to avoid. We want to see the economic benefits, increased GDP and reduced emissions. Those things are the hallmark of the Reggie program. So we want to make sure that we are really looking at this from that perspective so we can really make this a great program for Pennsylvania. In terms of costs and benefits, right now we are seeing significant benefits and minimal costs for Pennsylvania's participation based on our modeling, but that is without any consideration to these revenue reinvestments. So it'll be exciting to see how kind of that second prong of the Reggie program, the revenue side, really you know moves the needle even further in terms of benefits and hopefully also reduces those costs. So everything we've been talking about so far today has been in the context of the electricity sector. But as you alluded to early on, there is a lot going on in the climate space in Pennsylvania state government right now. Um, Can you put Reggie and the rulemaking in context with the administration's broader goals on climate, the climate action plan, transportation, whatever else is in the works? How do these pieces fit together? You're right. There is a lot happening right now. The conversation and the regulation in terms of Reggie participation is certainly leading the pack, so to speak, in Pennsylvania addressing climate change. We're also having conversations around the Transportation Climate Initiative. And furthermore, there is a petition right now before the department to establish an economy-wide cap-and-trade program, and that was submitted to the Environmental Quality Board. So as I mentioned, Reggie is 
strictly focus on emissions from the power sector. The power sector is not the only sector contributing to greenhouse gas emissions in Pennsylvania. So it is definitely part of the solution. We're looking at the transportation sector. And the cool thing about Reggie is that the revenue that we receive from this program can be invested not only in the power sector, but also in commercial and industrial and the transportation sector as well. So focusing on this one area really has the impact to benefit the entire Pennsylvania economy and kind of reduce greenhouse gas emissions across the board, which is exciting. So the governor's greenhouse gas goals established last year marked, uh, let's see, a 26% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2025 and 80% by 2050. So let's concentrate on the goal that's five years away rather than the one that's 30. So for that 26% reduction, back in 2018, we were about 19% of the way there. So we still had about 21 metric tons of CO2 to get us to that 2025 goal. So participation in the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative gets us close to our 2025 goal, certainly not including the revenue side. But those goals were set based on the Paris Climate Accords. And really, those goals were set to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. So without the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, there is a slim chance that Pennsylvania were to reach its 2025 climate goals. This really helps us make some significant impact to Pennsylvania's environment, you know, even within the next five-year time horizon. Okay, so we have a draft rule. It's been kind of circulated around within state government. Soon the public is going to get a chance to comment on it. So far, what are you hearing? What feedback is DEP getting uh, on the draft rule and on the modeling? We're getting a lot of feedback, which is great. You know, we've committed to a robust outreach process with stakeholders, and we're, and we're doing just that, which is terrific. Our modeling and our draft rule are online. It's completely normal in terms of procedure to share the draft language. I think we're a little bit unique in that we're also sharing our raw data results. So that's been really cool to have conversations with stakeholders about our modeling and our assumptions. We don't want people to rely on our interpretation of the data. We want people to be able to make their own conclusions as well uh, based on the information provided. Some really neat outreach and feedback that we've gotten, um, and some of the most direct is from Energy Harbor, the owner and operator of Beaver Valley. So back in 2018, they submitted their deactivation notice to PJM. And then in March of this year, they informed PJM that they were rescinding that notice and would continue to operate specifically indicating that that was largely driven by Governor Wolf's administration's efforts to join the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. So before a rule was even finalized or implemented, it was really great to get that feedback and see the impact that this is going to have on carbon-free generation in the future, including Pennsylvania's nuclear uh, fleet. So not to pat ourselves on the back. there's certainly there's certainly other other feedback that we have been hearing. You know, there's a desire to make sure that this process and this regulation fits Pennsylvania's needs. So, you know, we've been having so many conversations with our advisory committee members, environmental community, environmental justice community, and those generating assets themselves to kind of determine how is this going to work, what the process will look like. It's it's an unknown. So, you know, we want to make sure that we are being clear on what the expectations are, what the impacts are, what facilities can expect in terms of compliance. 
but it, it's exciting. You know, Three Mile Island closed recently, you know, and Exelon wants to retain its remaining nuclear assets in PA, and, and Reggie is going to be able to assist with that. We're interested in carbon capture and sequestration technology, or Reggie can assist with that. So we've been refining the regulation. It'll be out for public comment this summer, which I'm sure will receive a lot of formal feedback at that point. But, you know, it really comes down to making sure that we explain it properly, that we have buy-in from our stakeholders. And in those areas where we don't, we want to continue to have the hard conversations about how we can make this process and this regulation better as we move forward. So those conversations are ongoing within Pennsylvania with stakeholders here. What about stakeholders outside of our borders, namely the other Reggie states? What kind of communication have you had with those other states, your counterparts there uh, about Pennsylvania's rulemaking? You know, it's been we've had a lot of good conversations. So we're familiar with our counterparts in the other states, you know, through our work with the department and also, uh, you know, our colleagues at the other states, Public Utility Commission equivalents. They have 10 years of knowledge and Reggie program experience, which Pennsylvania does not have. We know Pennsylvania. We know Pennsylvania better than anyone. So the Reggie states have been very helpful in kind of outlining for us their experiences, their reflections on the regulatory language they've used, how some of their programs have either been used or not been used in practice. And we've been able to take that feedback and and make some adjustments to some of the regulatory language as a result. But it's been interesting. I'm taking a model regulation, like a template, and aligning it with a group of 10 other states while maintaining Pennsylvania's independence has been a good process. So when we say rulemaking process, and it is a process and it will continue, and there is a a timeline that's kind of laid out, but in terms of the content of the rule itself— as of today, how close would you say it is to being complete? Is it pretty close to its finished form? Can you see making changes in the next year based on you know changes to power generation in Pennsylvania? Is there going to be uh, any more evolution to this document before it's final? Absolutely. We are not finished. We have just barely gotten started. So we have this draft that's out in the public view for review by the advisory committees. And really, the, the formal regulatory process doesn't even kick off until the Environmental Quality Board votes to move this forward for publication in July. So there is opportunity for discussion and feedback and changes. There are certain parts of the regulation that are pretty boilerplate, so to speak, in terms of how the Reggie auction works and those sort of things. But there is a broad latitude for states to drive policy goals in terms of the regulation. So we have identified some of those, included them in the regulation, and we're excited to see the feedback that we'll get on what we've included and what also may be missing. So we're just at the beginning, certainly ample opportunity for discussion and feedback. You know, this regulation could look very different by the time that we are finished, but we're, we're proud of what we've done so far. We think we have some good policy drivers in there that will benefit Pennsylvania. And uh, we look forward to feedback and conversations with all of our stakeholders as we move forward. All right. Well, it sounds like you have plenty to do, so I'll, I'll let you get back to it. I hope maybe uh, we can check in a little bit further down the timeline and see how things are going. But until then, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Haley, thank you so much for, for being on the show today. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. 
Haley Book is Senior Advisor on Energy and Climate at the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection. You can see the DEP ICF modeling for yourself via a link in the show notes for this episode at our website, PECPA.org. There you can also learn lots more about the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative and why we at PEC believe it will be a game changer, not just for Pennsylvania's carbon footprint, but also for our broader economy. More of the same can be found by visiting the Pennsylvania Environmental Council on Facebook and following us on Twitter. We're at P-E-C-P-A. Invite you to check out past episodes of the Pennsylvania Legacies podcast. Of course, it's on the website, P-E-C-P-A.org, but also on any number of other podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and many others via RSS. Again, the website, PECPA.org, and the show is Pennsylvania Legacies. We'll have a new one for you again in a couple of weeks. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson, and thanks for listening. (music) 